You are Locked On Hornets, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. In a minute, cuz, we live. We live. This is Locked On Hornets, your daily podcast on the Charlotte Hornets and the NBA. We are part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Search your podcast app. For Locked On to get podcast on the NBA, the NFL, and fantasy sports, I'm Doug Branson. I cover the team for FanRagSports.com. We are coming to you from the Gittimer.com studios in BEA, beautiful uptown Charlotte, just down the street from Spectrum Center, where this afternoon at 2 o'clock p.m., the Hornets are set to introduce their new general manager and president of basketball operations, Mitch Kupchak. We're going to talk about that on this show. First, let me introduce my co-host, the man, the myth, the legend. He's been covering the Hornets since they were the Bobcats for AtTheHive.com, David Walker. David, welcome in. Mitchapalooza is finally here, Doug. That's it. That's it. It is here. And we've got plenty of questions to ask. I asked some of them in the last show. I really, I just want to f- spend most of this first segment, this is going to be kind of a shorter show because... Tomorrow, we've got a lot to dig into because we're going to hear from Mitch Kupchak later this afternoon and have much more to get to. So I really just want to get your opinions on what we should ask Mitch Kupchak, what people want to hear from Mitch in his introductory press conference, what people want out of this franchise moving forward under the direction of Mitch Kupchak. And uh, also, we'll talk about a few NBA topics that are that are roiling around right now, including the rookie of the year race between two players who are having some social media, Twitter beef, (laughs) some salty beef. So we'll get into that as well. So let's start though, by getting some of your thoughts, David uh, on, let's start with, before we get to the Mitch Kupchak stuff, I just wanted to get your thoughts on how uh, Malik Monk is playing in your mind. We, we did the weekend recap yesterday Uh, and uh, you know, three straight games, 20-plus points, getting more minutes, getting more shots up. More of those shots are starting to go in. Your thoughts on Malik Monk's improved play as we close out this season? Yeah, it's encouraging to see, and I know a lot of people have been waiting to see it all year. And you hit on a little bit yesterday, Doug. You can just see a stark difference between him now and at the beginning of the season. I mean, that's kind of obvious, but you mentioned people are asking you know, why he wasn't playing earlier, where has this been? But you go back and watch, especially like right out of the gate when he was forced into that backup role at point guard, it was close to a disaster on, on all fronts. I mean, not just on defense. Defense has always been a little bit of an issue. Uh, but bringing the ball to the floor, you know, just crossing the timeline at times was an adventure. And he's really gotten comfortable with that facet of the game. We've been surprised by his ability to, you know, find people or at least create and hand out potential assists at times during this season. And and you said yesterday, it's, it's gotten exponentially better. I think the Billy Hernan Gomez connection, I think has helped that, but um, it's nice. I think the biggest thing is you're seeing the ball go in the basket because if that had not happened all year, there would be real, real, real concern about Malik Monk because that's his gift. That's what he does well. And for him to not show it at all, you know, at all in the year, except for one game against Milwaukee early in the season, would have been concerning. So it's good to see him get some minutes and be able to do what he does best. And scoring is still what he does best. He's got to add the other facets, but it's going to start with the scoring from Malik Monk. So it's got to be encouraging. And it's been positive that he's been able to make these improvements while 
sitting on the bench mm-hmm. while mm-hmm. watching. And and they've talked a little bit about that, how he's learned from watching Kimba Walker and he's learned from watching film. And but you know, that's not something that everyone can necessarily do. Some people absolutely need that burn, need that run in order to improve their game. But I think the best players can absorb that knowledge from watching and then apply it in practice. And then when they when they have their number called, they can step up and apply all of that to the game. And yeah. and he's been able to maintain because listen, he had big expectations for himself coming into this season. He had expectations about where he was going to be drafted that didn't necessarily come come to fruition. And then I you know, he he talked about wanting to be rookie of the year. So just like it's been disappointing for fans to not see him play and to not see him excel in the same way that maybe a Donovan Mitchell has excelled, it's been disappointing for him as well. Which makes it all the more encouraging, David, that he has been able to end this season in a positive direction. It makes me think of what Steve Clifford said after that really frustrating, terrible loss that they took to the Brooklyn Nets back in March. And, you know, he said during these times when there is really nothing to play for and, you know, the, the, the season hasn't gone exactly the way that they wanted it to go, how you play during this period says a lot about who you are as an individual. Whether you're willing to work hard now, you know, says a lot about what, what your future holds. So I think we can take all of that and, and say that that's a positive for Malik Monk. So now on to Mitch Kupchak being introduced today. David, we've talked a lot about him on the show. We've gone over some of his past moves. We've ranked some of his past moves. Let, let, let me in on your thought process here. What kind of things do you want to know? What kind of things do you want to hear from Mitch Kupchak today at 2 o'clock when he's introduced to the media and to the fans? Yeah, the first thing is what you spent some time on yesterday, Doug, and I keep referring back to that show because you did a heck of a job. You're flying solo, and it's not always easy to do, so kudos. Well, thank you. But <laughs> uh, it's good to be back. But you mentioned the conversation that they must have had between the team and Mitch Kupchak as an interviewee. Uh, you hope they have had, and that is the one on what's the vision for this team? What's the plan moving forward? Because if they have not had that conversation and that has not been decided, at least, you know, what they will do first, which should be talking to Kimball Walker, you would think, in some form or fashion, then that is a major red flag. I mean, I don't think they're going to come out of this press conference and say, we haven't really decided what to do. At least I hope they don't. That would be interesting. So I think the first thing is to know that they've got some course of, of action. And you would hope that Mitch has some ideas on his end, right? I mean, they're probably looking for some answers themselves. And so I think hopefully the first questions that will be addressed will be those of what's the next step for this team. Um, a major part of that is what is the next step with Kimball Walker. I think that's mm-hmm. the first thing that has to be addressed and how they will go about that. You know, I'm sure they will say glowing things about Kimba today uh, among other people, but they've got to look at that situation. You know, the one thing that's interesting to me that doesn't come up a lot in the Kimba talks is you know, Kimba on the open market, right? Like shorter point guard. We love Kimba, certainly uh, not getting any younger, you know, not old, certainly in his prime. But, you know, when other teams start looking at that, it'll be interesting to see how much 
that knocks him down as far as like what other offers they think he may be able to get. But that's kind of a discussion for another day. I think uh, Mitch will have those two things to tackle first, just what's the direction of the team and what's the plan with Kimball Walker. And lastly, the biggest thing I think now that's come up recently is the future of Steve Clifford, right? Um, you know, you mentioned the guys continuing to play hard. I think that's a bonus or a check in, in Steve Clifford's box. The defensive performance and the overall performance of the season is certainly a knock against him this year. But that's another decision they'll have to make, and that'll probably be rolled up into these other two, you know, the direction of the franchise moving forward. So certainly a lot to ask, but those are the top three for me. All right, short pause. We'll come back. We'll talk more about Mitch Kupchak. Let us know what you think, by the way, on Twitter, at Locked on Hornets. What would you like to hear from Mitch Kupchak during his introductory press conference? You know, with the these executives, you don't necessarily know when you're going to get an opportunity to talk to them. You know, for Rich yeah. Cho, it was only uh, but once or twice a year where you were going to hear from Rich around the draft and around the trade deadline. So, uh, you you got to take these opportunities and and uh, glean as much information as you can because I think the natural part of the job for them is keeping things a little close to the vest. Uh, so we'll see what we can find out from him today uh, at 2 o'clock. By the way, it's going to be broadcasted on Fox Sports Southeast and the Fox Sports Go app. So if you have access to either of those things, live coverage at 2 o'clock p.m., all right, we're going to take a short pause. We'll come back. We'll talk more about this. You're listening to Locked On Hornets here on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. You are listening to the Locked On Hornets Podcast. David. Hey, the show's barely been on. For how the are these injuries going to affect the Hornets' ability to beat the Miami Heat? I'm going to go get some more buttermilk while you talk about that. <laughs> get more Hornets analysis on LockedOnHornets.com. All right, back with us here on Locked on Hornets. I'm Doug Branson, joined by David Walker. David, I'm not sure how many specifics we're really going to get out of Mitch Kupchak. I'm sure that they have had conversations. I'm sure he's had conversations with ownership about sort of the big picture, the direction that they want to take this franchise in ultimately. But I'm just not certain how many commitments they've made to one another in terms of specific moves. I'm talking about whether or not to uh, pursue Kimball Walker in free agency a year from now. I don't believe that the team will be able to extend him early. He'll be eligible for it, but I'm not sure financially that they would be able to do that. So then it comes down to being able to convince Kimball Walker to sign with them in the next free agency period. And then, as you said before the break, the future of Steve Clifford. I'm not sure that they've had those conversations yet. And if they have, I don't believe that, that he would reveal that in, in the press conference today. So what I think we, we can glean, though, is, or try to glean at least, is this. Is Michael Jordan still committed to the vision that he was committed to under Rich Cho which is to get this team to that you know top four seed in the East and get out of the first round, that first step that they were never able to quite take in in this in these past four or five seasons. Is he still committed to that in the short term, or is it time to sit back and reevaluate and say, okay, 
maybe we we've got to take a step back to take a step forward. You know, and and I think part of part of getting that information will be figuring out what Mitch Kupchak believes is the best way to approach these mid-market situations because that's the thing that I keep seeing from fans is they're like, listen, Mitch Kupchak, you can't deny the experience. You can't deny the respect that he has around the league and you can't deny the players that he's brought into Los Angeles, you know, over that, over that decade period. You can't, you can't argue with the rings. Okay. But then, but then they say, but that's Los Angeles. That's the Lakers. This is the Hornets. He spent decades with a franchise and an ownership group that basically gave him carte blanche. And now Michael Jordan has given his organization really a essentially a, a, a really long leash financially. I mean, they have a a top 15, top 10 payroll in the league over the past couple of seasons. And they're right up against the luxury tax. Has not allowed them to go into the luxury tax, but I think that's completely defensible when you have not gotten out of the first round, not proved that you could do that. But they have been right up against it. He's been willing to pay for players. Just hasn't necessarily been the, you know, the right combination of players. And I think there's there are legitimate questions that that may be asked today, but will certainly be asked rhetorically or otherwise over the next few months and and seasons about how Mitch Kupchak can operate under this completely new kind of environment. And maybe he doesn't view it that way. That would be interesting to hear. Does Mitch Kupchak view this situation differently? Will it require a different approach? Will it require a, an adjustment in mindset from his days in Los Angeles? I think that would be a very fair question to ask. Yeah. Well, it's kind of interesting, Doug, because so many of those late, especially the championship and the Kobe teams, you know, he was kind of spot picking a couple guys to be like the last piece, right? Um, and to build around Kobe, which isn't always easy. Um, so that's a different process than he will go through here in Charlotte, of course. But, I mean, he'll have some constraints, as you mentioned. And depending on if they continue to try and win next year, then he's going to have to figure out some way to add pieces without adding, you know, a bunch of money and a bunch of long-term contracts, you would think. So similar challenges. Uh, and, and, and you're right, he's not going to have the draw of L.A., um, I get, you know, the draw of playing with Kobe, if that if that's a thing, and uh, the allure of a championship on the other side. So he, uh, the connections and his eye for talent are going to be the biggest things that he'll have to put to use first thing. But, you know, certainly the challenges are going to be different, but I think in some ways, you know, the constraints, um, he's just not going to be able to completely reshuffle the deck. We don't think, right? I mean, that would be a different approach for him too, I think. It would be, it's going to be very difficult not impossible, and he certainly what he turned, he turned Kwame Brown into Pal Gasol for God's sakes. Like right. you know, nothing is impossible in the NBA, especially you know deals that don't look like they could ever be done tend to get done around draft time because teams 
get restless. Some teams completely take a different direction. I mean, that's why Dwight Howard is in Charlotte. That seemed mm-hmm. that seemed ridiculous. That it, no one suggested that 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 was something that could be a thing last last off season. But then all of a sudden, Atlanta decided to hit the reset button, and then players became available that would not certainly would not have been available had they wanted to continue to compete. So situations change for teams, and and it presents opportunities, especially for savvy savvy traders like Mitch Kupchak. So yes, that's I, I think it's it's not impossible, but it is certainly uh, going to be difficult to unwind things for Mitch Kupchak. You know, I was thinking about this as you were mentioning, you know, sort of the the challenges that come with coming from a place like Los Angeles to and and having to deal with the Kobe situation and then coming to Charlotte where there isn't that sort of there there is a franchise star in Kimba Walker but not a not a superstar that you obviously have to build around and that's been an interesting situation I think for Steve Clifford as well in his 5 seasons in Charlotte remember Remember the kind of players that Steve Clifford was was uh, an assistant coach for. We're talking about Kobe Bryant. We're talking about Tracy McGrady. We're talking about Dwight Howard in his prime. Peak Dwight, yeah. Peak Dwight. And then he comes to Charlotte to head coach and really has not that that kind of transcendent star has not been available to him. And you've heard Steve Clifford say many times about normally about other opponents that that's what wins in the NBA it is that it is that overwhelming talent and and he has installed a certain way to play in Charlotte that he thinks would allow them to compete and win without that but it has been a giant adjustment I think for for Steve Clifford and one that I think has been frustrating for him at times and that's why I wonder, you know, when you talk about the future of Steve Clifford and what Mitch Kupchak would 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 want to do moving forward, and you talk about the fact that they've missed the playoffs for the past two seasons, but I think the big question is, would you would Steve Clifford want to continue down this path if there were a giant reset? And then on the flip side of that question, is in the mind of Mitch Kupchak and, and ownership, is Steve Clifford the best uh, the best fit to to helm something like that? Because it's not always about talent. Because I think I think Steve Clifford is is an immensely talented coach and has brought a a structure and a philosophy to Charlotte that they desperately needed. When you look back at the series of coaches that they were dealing with prior, it's hard to find good coaching. It's hard to find coaches that can install winning philosophies and, and win basketball games. That's not, it's, not a, it's not an easy task. It's, it's easier to find the Mike Dunlap than it is to find the Steve Clifford. I think you would, agree with, you would agree with that, David. Yeah, yeah. There, are, no, there, yeah, there, aren't, right. there aren't winning coaches. They, they're, just not, they're not growing on trees, right? But, but at the same time, there's a question of fit. And I, and I think they have to think about that moving forward as well. 
For sure. And want to. I mean, Clifford, of course, had the health scare this year, you know, another couple of years. His mindset is certainly different than when he when he took over here. So a lot of conversations to be had. Uh, you're right. I don't think we'll get all these answers today. I wonder if, if there will be a question asked about the dual title role, if that's any indication of maybe the team mm. giving more of the reins over to Mitch Kupchak, if they'll dive into that today, if that is a sign, you know, maybe of MJ saying, hey, you run with this thing a little bit more than that maybe we let Rich Cho do. So that's a, that's another thing to watch out for, I think. All right, two o'clock p.m. The time for that press conference. Again, we will uh, will be there covering it. So follow us on Twitter at Locked On Hornets, and uh, you can watch live coverage on Fox Sports Southeast and the Fox Sports Go app. We're going to take another short break. Come back, talk about the Rookie of the Year race. And I want to look over some of these possible playoff matchups and decide which one of these is going to be most interesting. So we'll be right back here on Locked On Hornets on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team, every day. You are listening to the Locked On Hornets Podcast. Thoughts on the news about Cody Zeller's injury? That's a tough one, man. I mean, what the f- Dude. He's just injured, man. It's, it's okay. okay. It's Look, just, you know, he's injuries just happen. With an injury. He didn't want <laughs> to get injured, okay, David? But, but uh, sorry, guys, I just had someone jump out in front of my vehicle. That's uh, that was unforeseen. Only on the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. David, we've got some beef. In the NBA, some salty cured beef going on between two rookie of the year candidates, Ben Simmons and Donovan Mitchell. It's good. This is good for the NBA. We need rivalries. Anyone who criticizes these two going after each other in any kind of way uh, on, on social media needs to take a step back and understand what entertainment is, what the NBA <laughs> should be. We need these kind of of rivalries in the era of of all of this money. I mean, money is is something that can sometimes take away from the competitiveness. And and you know, everybody has the same agent, and that's what we hear over and over. Why are these guys dapping after games? Why aren't they scoffing and walking away and and you know spitting on each other? Why, 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 why? So that's when when stuff like this happens, you have to embrace it. So what am I talking about? Well, uh, it, the ESPN's Chris Haynes interviewed Ben Simmons about the Rookie of the Year race, asked Ben, who would he pick? Ben said, who would I pick? Me, 100%, very much in the vein of LeBron James. They asked LeBron, who would he pick for MVP? LeBron said, me, of course. These guys, I love it. You have to be psychotically, you know, psychotically about yourself, 100%. That That's the, the I mean, I, I think Ben Simmons is a future MVP. But then he was asked, David, if there were any other rookies who had, quote, caught his attention, unquote. And Simmons said, none. (laughs) (laughs) He said, I want to be where the greats are. So for me, I watch the guys like Kevin Durant, LeBron James, Steph Curry, Russell Westbrook, guys like that. That's where I want to be. I think for me, that's what I love to watch. So Donovan Mitchell he released a statement in the form of a GIF that was like, okay. Anyway, that's the beef. All right. How strong is that beef? 
Are you against a tie, uh, you know, two a, a two winners? I mean, I think I'd be fine with that. We've done it before. Why not? Are you kidding me? No. I live in America. I live in America, David. We have one winner. We don't do ties. Well, we pick a winner. I think if if this were if this were most valuable rookie, there is a strong argument for Donovan Mitchell. Most exciting rookie. I think there's an argument for Donovan Mitchell because he has been, you know, these highlight plays, these 90 feet passes, outlet passes, the Kevin Love type passes, the dunks, the game winning shots. Donovan Mitchell has been all over social media with these highlight plays. Most exciting, yes. Most most valuable, I think, yes, to his team. He has been an important part of the Jazz being a, they're going to be a four seed after That's losing crazy. Gordon Hayward. That's crazy. But we're talking about rookie of the year. And when I when I hear rookie of the year, I don't hear most valuable. I hear what rookie just individually has played the best amongst the other rookies. And I think unquestionably that is Ben Simmons. The all-around game. I'm not even talking about impact to his team. I'm just talking about the all-around game. I think you have to give it to Ben Simmons. He's doing yeah, things maybe. that rookies just don't do that aren't named LeBron James. Yeah, he doesn't look like a rookie. For sure. So, no, we're not going to give a tie. Okay. How just a dare thought, you? Just a, thought, just a thought. How dare you on a Tuesday? If you're Team Ty, it's Team Ty Tuesday. Let's do it. <laughs> hey, so yesterday on the show, since you you listened very closely, uh-huh. you must have heard uh-huh. me talk about new job smell. Yeah, <laughs> I did. I sure did. You're on that new job sleep schedule. It sounds like that's right. Uh, my, well, so real quickly, uh, did did it? Are you with me? Did it have a new job smell? Did you go in there and go? I've never smelled a hallway quite like this. You know, I don't know if it's just the size of the corporation or the newness of the office, but there wasn't much new smell. I think they had uh, just deleted all of the smell out of out of the area. It was I don't know what they're pumping in there, but there wasn't a ton. Or maybe I'm just used man. To that's it. a perk. They must have. You must be high up on the totem pole if they're pumping in your old job smell. They're pumping in. Uh, they wanted you to oxygen, feel. I think. Yeah. They wanted you to feel comfortable. <laughs> they said, "Go grab uh, some of that air." Bring that That's for right. Mr. Walker, not David. That's we don't right. call him David. We call him Mr. You call him Mr. Walker. And if he starts mm. talking about if you if he starts talking about ridiculous things like giving out ties for rookie of the year, then you you yeah. agree with him because that's Mr. Walker. And he gets Jeez. old job smell. That'd be great. That'd be some fantastic. I'm gonna bring that up today, see what happens. That'll do it for us here on Locked On Hornets, here on the Locked On Podcast Network. Thanks so much for listening. Support us on Patreon, patreon.com forward slash L-O-H. Every dollar goes to making this show better. We're going to be at the press conference today at 2 o'clock, so follow us on Twitter for updates. And uh, we'll be back tomorrow. We're going to talk a little bit of draft with Gavin Shaw, and then we will fully break down everything that happened from this press conference. We'll give you all of the the analysis and the answers that you come to expect from this show. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Overcast, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts. Just search Locked on Hornets for David. I'm Doug. Go Hornets. Go America. Let's swarm. Cup check. Cup check.